what do successful people in sales look like? And those are confident people. But it's not cheap confidence that it's arrogance or anything like that. It's earned through the competency that you do every day and in the delivery of how you send that message. Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits, and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. All right, everybody. Hey there. I am Cody Strait, VP of Marketing here at Access, and I am joined by my illustrious colleague, Mr. Mike Kelly, who is VP of Sales for Access and is out doing his VP of Sales thing, is on the road. Mike, where are you today? Hello, Cody. I'm here in Los Angeles, sunny Los Angeles, just like everybody would think. But yes, West Coast and seeing some customers while I'm out here. All right. Excellent, man. Well, you're doing your thing. Obviously, that's what you're supposed to be doing. So I appreciate that. And Mike, you and I are here on the podcast today to talk about a subject that I find absolutely fascinating. And I'm eager to talk with you about this because we've seen this transpire in the field. You have been in the game of sales for how long in a professional capacity? Let's say uh, 25 years. 25 years. Okay. So I've been doing it right around 20 years. So we got about 45 years of sales experience at a professional capacity between the two of us. Right. And so I say all that to say that, again, you and I have seen a couple of things. We've been around the block a couple of times, right? We've encountered a lot of sales reps, you know, on our own teams, as well as experience what we've seen with other teams as well, right? Uh, Through partners and things like that. And and so here's the subject that we're going to get into. Confidence confidence in terms of sales, right? How effective can you be whenever you have confidence? How effective can you be whenever you're doing your best to fake confidence? And how effective are you when you lose confidence? That's this. That, that's what I want to kind of pick at here with you, right? So Mike, with those three different areas right there, confidence, um, let's just start with, I think the softball here, right? How good are you at sales whenever you have confidence in a real true fashion. And I would say that that confidence in a, in a real true fashion is correlated with competence, right? Your ability to be proficient as a sales rep, you you know your product, you know your industry, you know your customer, you know their needs, you know their world. So you can really speak to all that very, very competently that breeds confidence. Speak to that if you would. How effective is a confident and competent sales rep? I think it's a great jumping off point here. And I will start with, in my 25 years, I started off the heavy duty on the Dale Carnegie sales training. And one of the things that stuck with me from 25 years ago in that training was this quote, only the prepared speaker deserves to be confident. I mean, there's so much to that statement that goes into um, a totally separate podcast around being prepared or confidence or whatever it is. But it's bringing that all together that really kind of defines the ability for a salesperson to be effective. And it does start with that competence that you say. You've got to have a certain level of understanding. And it's not understanding that comes from, you know what, the the training program that we put you through when you first started. It's the competency that comes from really passionately learning and diving so deeply into your subject matter that you're trying to become an expert on that really gets you to the point where you can be effective. I find that there's probably one 
out of a hundred folks that I interview, folks, uh, salespeople that I've worked with in the past that really go to that nth degree. And the ramifications and really the, the, when the, where the rubber meets the road is when that confidence is high or when that confidence is low and what that means. But you're exactly right. No, I like that. I like that saying only the prepared deserve to be confident, right? So yeah, I see that. And what's interesting again is whenever you are confident uh, in, in my experience with sales, you can navigate through that process so smoothly. And what I like to think of more often than not is what sales reps really trade on, like what the currency of sales is, is first and foremost, you have to understand that it's a relationship-based engagement, right? So mm-hmm. being that it is a relationship-based engagement, the currency in that field is trust, right? How much do I trust you? And you either have a bank that's full of trust or a bank that has a deficit. And if you are confident and you're able to articulate the value that your company, that your brand, that your product, solution, services, whatever it is, is able to offer and relate that directly to the customer because you intimately know their situation, you know their problems, you know their struggles, and you know their problems and struggles, not just at a tangible level, but you know how those problems make them feel. And because of that, you're able to speak to that and relate what you do to them. Whenever you hear their problems, you're going through all of that. And when it comes time to show your your solution, you're showing your product off relative to what their needs are. You're not just walking through a presentation in necessarily a standard way where everybody gets the same cookie cutter kind of a thing. You're able to incorporate their needs into that. So it's as though it's a tailor-made presentation. While it is maybe 95% the same, you're able to relate certain points to their needs and call that out. That makes it feel very special. That only comes with, again, competent. And when you can do that, man, you're confident. And that confident just, it demands respect and it demands almost, in that case, trust from them whenever you're able to present in that way. And that is just, frankly, like the the grease that's able to get you going in the sales process to move closer to that state of a sold deal ink on the paper. Do you agree with that or do you disagree with any of that? Tell me or fill in some color if you'd like. Absolutely. You're dead on. And that's why I say it's the most underappreciated, underrated skill set a salesperson can have. And I'll even go a little bit further. And I'm going to say, think about the, the folks that are involved in this process. We've got a prospect and we've got a salesperson. Prospect, they have doubts. They've got fears. They've got worries. They've got concerns over about what your solution will do. They may have concerns about um, purchasing solution, what it will mean to you know their future in the business that they run. And their expression, their, the objection here is when they express doubt. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you express doubt as a salesperson, our job is to one, transfer our level of confidence. We transfer that confidence so that they believe more confidently in what we're talking about more than they believe in their own doubt. Then we've got exactly what you just described. That's when Mm -hmm. it is you've earned that through your competency that you have and the competence that you transfer to your customer or your prospect. Now you've got something that you've earned to the point that it is certainly worthwhile. And this, this really gets to this idea of, do we bat a thousand when we do that? And, and the answer is absolutely not. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, we've got Hall of Fame baseball players that hit 300 and I'm a St. Louis guy, so I, I can talk to baseball and Stan Musial. But the interesting thing about Stan was that, that he hit the exact same number of doubles on the road as he hit at home. 
the exact same mm-hmm. number, Hall of Fame baseball player. And my point in saying that is is really to get to what happens when when we do have a hit to our confidence. What happens when it's not perfect? And and we're going to have highs and we're going to have lows. And so I tell this to, to salespeople all the time: never get too high with your with with the highs. Never get too low with the lows. Get that competency level. Earn the level to be able to transfer this confidence we're talking about and produce consistently, whether or not you're on the road or you're at home, you hit the same number of doubles, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that defines whether or not you're going to be a hall of fame salesperson or not. Well, and what, what defines that hall of fame situation is success over a span of time, right? And, and having that success be consistent, right? So, with that being said, you and I, again, we've been doing this for a while. No doubt you've had some moments in your career that you've taken a couple of shots and your confidence might have waned a little bit, right? Let's talk about that for a second because, again, your confidence can take a shot. How is it you're able to basically get yourself back on track whenever you do get that shot, right? So in your situations, uh, without going into like you know great detail, what are a couple of uh, situations where your confidence might have taken a shot? How long did that last for you? What were the implications of that? And how did you write that ship and kind of get back in the saddle as it were? Yeah, so this exposure to both successes and to failures, I think is the key to what a salesperson has to have to be ultimately successful to put together a career that spans decades, let's say, and really focuses on what did I build over time? Is it something that is certainly memorable or, or, or not? And during those times when it is a little bit tougher, when things are slow, and, and I think it's very timely that we're talking about this as we are starting to see some of the rearview mirror with COVID. Obviously, we're still heavy duty into it, but we are seeing 2020. And if I look back on that, you know, that was a year that the tremendous amount of salespeople that I spoke to had come back with, you know what, there's just, you know, it's COVID and, and you know, that's why we're struggling, let's say, or that's why it's been, it's been such a challenge is because of COVID. And in that, you've got salespeople that, that have the, you know, they're predisposed to saying, you know what, my, is my confidence level going to get, you know, is it going to be higher? Is it going to be low? I saw a tremendous amount of them that it went low. Things weren't working the way that they used to. I said it on podcasts before that the business is just not doing what I expected to. I've done this for a number of years and I can see, I know which way customers are going to head and I know how deals are going to progress. It wasn't the same. But when it wasn't the same, there was choices that salespeople can make. And one of those is to, you know what, I'm just going to stick my head down and I'm going to continue on in the way that I've always done it. Or I can change my mindset. I'm going to look and find a different way. Because in healthcare specifically, the way that deals may happen in the past are just not the way they're going to be in the future. And so one of the things that I communicated to my team was I said, you've got to focus on these strength areas. And focusing on the strength area is really based upon how self-aware you are of what you're good at and what you're bad at. Okay. And I say bad, I don't mean it in a negative way, just areas that I need to work on. I know my areas to work on and and I try to work on it every day by putting automation in place, by by working with folks that are better at it than I am. But being self-aware enough to say, listen, I'm not great at everything. I'm good at going out and closing business, but I may not be the greatest at, at some of the front end type stuff. And I think certainly when you focus on your strengths area and what you're good at, then it will get you on track. And be open enough to say to the folks that are good in other areas, help me there, because they want to. That's one. Replacing negative energy with positive influences, I mean, I can't stress it enough. 
that, especially with the, with our podcast and what we do here at Access, the mindset and the focus on mindset is so critical. And in those times when you have challenges and your confidence is beat up a little bit, get help with it. Go talk to somebody. Get a different perspective on that. And I think we do a tremendous amount of that. And, the, and one, probably the third thing is that, you know, uh, and I can go through a list of the, those, but, but one of the other things that I do want to mention in this argument is that learn from other success. There's other people that have been there that have done that. It's easy. I've got a, a sales rep right now. He's extremely strong and working in the space that I've got him assigned to. But that said, he's got so much opportunity to work with me, to work with you, to work with others in our organization to even make him more successful. And he's open to that. And, and I would say that he probably not, has not always been open to that, but, but certainly we're seeing a lot more of it now. So, you know, in terms of tips to get out of the, the, you know, the slump, if, if we want to call it that, those are, you know, a couple of that I would definitely recommend. I like that, Mike, you know, and what I really like about that is that that third thing that you spoke about, uh, you know, first one you talked about was, you know, focused on your strengths. The second one was replacing the negative with the positive. And the third was, you know, l- learn from others. And so that third one, I would say, you know, is also correlates to your mentors, the people that you can go and talk to and say, Hey, what do you think about this situation? Here's where I'm dealing with. This is where my head is. What do I do? Right. We all need those type of people in our life. I think professionally and personally that we can always go and look to for that sagely wisdom, you know, people that have been there and done that and said, yeah, I actually, I know what you're going through because I experienced something like that myself as a result of whatever situation or circumstances. And here's how I dealt with it. Right. And so, you know, in many cases, like it's the the saying, like there's nothing new under the sun. Right. And considering that sales is going back to, again, it's about relationships. Relationships have been going on obviously for millennia. So, because of that, whatever you're dealing with from a sales perspective, it's more than likely somebody else has probably dealt with it as well. And having that good mentor that can help coach you through it is really, really crucial so you can get back in the saddle again. But Mike and I, again, we talk about at the very beginning of this, the respective years we've had in the sales games. And we've received copious amounts of no's. Like for every win that we've had, we've also received tremendous amount of, of no's right behind that. And all of those can certainly shake your confidence. Uh, it, it absolutely can, but that's where it just has to be the consistent go and go and go and keep trying and keep doing. And, you know, I think back to, you know, Mike, I'll just uh, share a little story with you. Uh, obviously you referenced the pandemic just a moment ago, right? But let's let's roll the tape back a little bit further to say 2008, 9, 10, that area, okay? What were we dealing with then? We were dealing with a, a, a global financial crisis at that point in time, right? Everything had really fallen down and melted down. And what you would see consistently was like, oh, our, our budgets are frozen, our budgets are frozen, our budgets are frozen, our budgets are frozen, right? And that's really difficult to continue forward with as a sales rep to try to look for those opportunities whenever everything seems to be locked up, right? So the way that I was able to approach that after just banging my head against the wall and getting frustrated was just this whole thought, like there's gotta be a way. There's got to be a way that I can still move some sort of product, right? And what I started to ask was uh, these questions around, are there other projects being funded right now? Well, yes. Okay, tell me about those projects. All right. And what they would say is, well, this project is being funded because it qualifies for the innovation fund. 
Ah, interesting. Tell me about this innovation fund. And the innovation fund was like basically this general pool of money that's set aside for, well, innovation purposes whenever they're needed. And in the moment that we were dealing with back in the financial crisis, people were looking for opportunities to stop hemorrhaging money, right? How can I make my business more operationally efficient so that way I can carry us forward? So, hmm, interesting. How is it that I can then position our solutions that and really lean on it can make you more operationally efficient to get you through that time? The point is, I was looking for opportunities for success and I didn't exactly know how to do that. But once I was able to then find how other things are being successful, why are they being successful, and then try to follow that kind of playbook, guess what happened? I started being successful. Not 100% of the time. Not every organization had an innovation fund or something like that. But that is one example of how I went through this down moment that lasted you know, months and ultimately through just trying to be creative and figuring out a way, I was able to connect those dots and then find that connectivity to success. So there's just one example. I want to carry forward another topic here in a second, but what's your thoughts on that? That growth or that success mindset that you brought to you know that time back in 08 is, is exactly what I'm talking about. That's the, the, I mean, how do we change this negative mindset into something that's positive? And I would ask that, did, did you sell anything differently? The answer is no. I mean, I didn't fundamentally change the solutions that I'm actually marketing and selling out there, but I found a different way to word it. A different angle, yeah. Correct, a different angle. And it, or, and, and it could be angles, it could be words, whatever. But I will claim this fact is the right delivery trumps the right words every time. If I deliver this in a way or I change the angle on it, so I'm going to the innovation fund versus the, the capital budget, um, it's just my delivery. It's, it's how I'm coming at this. And I go back to an old saying, there's, you know, there's more than one way to skin this cat. And sorry to all the cat lovers out there. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I always hated this. I never, I never understood that. Say it's a whole separate thing right there. But yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I would say, even growing up in Texas, I, I never skinned a cat. So I don't know why people say that, but my point is, is that if you have that level of confidence, you have the mindset and you have put the hard work in to learn this business and kind of become that SME, what it really gets down to is how do I use the fundamentals of delivery to move this deal in, in the direction that I want it? You know, when I ask this question to customers today, what does success look like to you? And I can be very focused on that. I can be very pointed with that question. And, and, and nine times out of 10, there's a pause because that's a question that they're not used to getting. You know, and I'm not giving away secret sauce here or anything, but I'm telling you, what does success look like to you guys? And they'll tell you. And I would say that what do successful people in sales look like? And those are confident people. But it's not cheap competence that, you know, it's arrogance or anything like that. It's earned through the competency that you do every day and in the delivery of how you send that message. Right, exactly. And and I like that term right there, cheap confidence, right? Well, anything that you want to correlate with that term cheap in, is is not a, it really in a positive situation. It's not in a positive light. You, you come across cheap things with little effort, energy, work, money, whatever it is, right? And so... With that being said, I want to I want to jump off over into this point here, right? As you are early in your career and as you're trying to go forward in sales, the confidence we, we know it plays a, a tremendous role in that. But how do you fake that, right? Or do you fake that? How do you gain confidence? Well, 
What I would say is the best way forward with that is to going back to that mentorship, right? If people say, do this and say this, because here's the reasons why it's important. Well, do that and say that. And what's interesting is at that point, you're just going off the notion of what somebody else tells you is important. And they've given you some sort of justification as to the reason why. But what is particularly interesting, though, is if you go off of what people are telling you are important and the reasons why, and you do it yourself out there, you're going to see those eyebrows raise at the same moments that they told you that the eyebrows would raise, right? There people will show interest. People will get excited. People might ask a couple of questions as a result of this because there's these other situations and circumstances. Now, you have no direct experience relative to any of that, so you're borrowing confidence. That's borrowed confidence is what that is. I don't call that cheap confidence. I call that borrowed confidence. It's not yours. That confidence is not yours. You have it out on loan, but whenever you go out there and you have the opportunity to express what you do in a sales situation, that borrowed confidence turns into owned confidence. Whenever you get to see those moments of transformation of people getting it. They understand it and they connect the value that you have to offer relative to their problems, relative to where they want to go. And it is in those moments, like I said, where that borrowed confidence becomes owned. Mike, what's your thoughts on that? I love the idea of, of checking it out like a library book. I mean, I work with, with, with young salespeople early in their career, salespeople, I don't want to say young, whatever, but let me step back. There's two different types of salespeople. And you bring up an incredible point that I want to make. There's those salespeople that, that when they, you know, they're first and I'm first writing with them and I deliver a presentation, the next time they deliver the presentation, they've got a couple of different ways to go. This even gets back to what you created with StoryBrand a couple of years ago. There's salespeople that will take what they see from their mentor or take what they've been given from sales and marketing leaderships and mentors that way, and they will deliver it just the way it's written. Again, if you want to borrow that early on and use that as kind of an outline for what you're going to build into, it's the most intelligent way to go about it. I love it. I think it's, it shows initiative. The other type of salesperson is one that says, you know what, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to deliver that presentation all the time. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I could no more deliver Cody's presentation than somebody could deliver mine. I can take it as a core and I can build upon that, but it's the way that I message it. It's the delivery that trumps the content every time that's going to make what I do special. And that special is how I transfer confidence to my prospect and my prospect. And again, people buy from people they like. We don't have right. to argue that. If you're a salesperson that's just going to take what's thrown, you know, push down your throat and you're going to deliver that every time, I will say that you're not going to be very successful. If you take it and build upon it and make it you, now you're on to something. Check it out, learn it, become the SME, and then do your own thing. So I, I would agree with that. And, and this is where I think that there's, you know, different, like you said, a couple different levels of quality of, of salespeople. And this is where you'll have the more, I'll say, commodity-based products that there's not a whole lot of differentiation on that. Maybe the buying cycles aren't too terribly long. Maybe they're just, you know, that one moment-to-moment -moment transactional type of a basis. You know, you don't have to be as necessarily strategic in all of those sorts of situations. But whenever you're dealing with like the more larger enterprise B2B type sales that involve a number of different people across a larger corporation where the, the interests vary from person to person to department to department, that's where you get into a much more... Like complex area. And like you talked about, 
the way at which a sales rep operates inside of that uh, space, you can't really duplicate it one sales rep from another. And I always thought of that on that note, Mike, like, you know, those old uh, Kung Fu movies, like I see you are using tiger style. I use Cobra style. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel it's kind of like that. Every sales rep's kind of got their own unique little brand of Kung Fu in that regard. And it's funny to watch. It's, it's really, actually really fun to watch like you and other people get out and do their thing. I know we're kind of diverting from the confidence thing here in a second, but it's interesting to watch you guys do your thing because it's, at a certain point in your career, you start to really make your pitch and your presentation and your approach. It's your own, right? It's uniquely into yourself and you can't really, again, you can't replicate it. You can't duplicate it, which is why there's so many different books out there about sales training. Because again, you, you, as much as you would like to try to apply systems and processes to it, which you can in an overarching sense, like you said, it's the way you carry yourself. It's the way that you present yourself and just conduct yourself through this invariably complex discussion. That is what really is going to see you through to these uh, success points. So that's kind of, it's kind of fun to, to see that. All right. So the last thing, Mike, that I've got for you here, l let's just talk about a sales rep that lacks confidence. And as you as a manager, and I've seen this play out in different ways too, you do what you can to try to bolster that confidence and carry that person through that downturn, uh, whether in business or whatever it is that they're dealing with, right? And there's some cases where you're able to see that rep through. You're able to revitalize them, right? And they kind of come off that life support and they're back up and running again, right? I'm curious if you have any situations where you've seen that you're able to revitalize those reps with greater consistency. I'm curious about that. That's number one. Number two is how is it you can tell whenever a rep, they've just lost that love and feeling, man. They've lost that confidence. And at that point in time, like I think we both agree, once that sales rep loses confidence and you can't bring them back, they just need to be put out to pasture right? They can't do their job anymore. It is literally not possible. So first things first is, do you have any sort of tips or tricks or any strategies that have worked that produce any sort of consistency where you can revitalize a rep? And the second, how is it you can tell whenever that rep is just straight up lost that confidence and there's no opportunity to uh, revitalize them, bring it back? I always bring this back to hiring. I've hired multiple salespeople in the past, very successful in some and not so successful in others. And I will tell you that hiring a new salesperson, they're going to come out of the gate. And if you've hired well, they're going to just kill themselves, trying to build business, trying to get in touch with those customers, trying to get a pipeline built, trying to get business closed, number of different things. And they're going to just burn the candle at both ends until they get that first taste of a, of a kill or success. And so you see from a graphing perspective, you're going to see that that activity level just ratcheting up and ratcheting up because they've got nothing else to do at this point. Mm -hmm. And what, what you will find is that probably six months in, they're going to hit. Something's going to hit. Something's going to happen uh, because they have done that level of effort that it took to get there. And then that first, I've got my first presentation and then, oh my God, I got another one. I got another one. And they're going to have that level of activity that got them to that point it's the tipping point for a successful salesperson or one that you are going to have to put out to pasture. And it's the one that continues that says, you know what, all these presentations, that's great, but I got to master those fundamentals. Back to what I said early on, mastering the fundamentals, getting back to them is when you do have that, I've had this success. I've sold that first deal. You know what? I'm on cruise control now because it's all coming in. If I ever have a cruise control salesperson, I'm worried. It, you're mm -hmm. not going to make it because 
You've got to keep those fundamentals, those phone calls, those follow-ups, those prospecting, those cold calls. All of that type of thing has to continue at the same level in order to keep that production level as high. And what I find is that it goes like this, way up the, up the slope, and then it, it crashes. And every mm-hmm. salesperson, I fully expect them to crash in about six to seven months after they're in. Mm-hmm. It's how they deal with it and what they do. And so the things that I do to try to bolster them is that I will focus them back on those fundamentals. What mm-hmm. did it take to get you to that activity level, that production level that, that you were at? And how quickly can you do it? Two, you want to come out and, and present with me? I want you just to present a portion of this presentation where you're focusing on the things that you're really good at. I don't want you to worry so much about the things that I want you to grow into, but I want you to focus on what you're really good at so that one, I can boost that level of confidence. And then you can see it from your mentor again. And then after that, the idea is I've given you all the tools and I've shown you the the, the pathway and we've changed your mindset here. Now, what is it you're going to do with it? And you're going to see some that are going to just, they're going to go back on that growth and they learned their lesson. I'm never going to go on the downside slope again. I don't want to go through that. So the change that you'll see in them is that they do focus on those fundamentals that got them there and they do that for the rest of their career. Now, the flip side of that is you will find some that because that confidence got hit, they just couldn't come back. And no matter what you did, what you start to see with them is you start to see a desperation level that comes across with a very pushy salesperson, mm-hmm. one that is not focused on what the customer's needs are, who has no idea what success looks like for the customer, and has so mentally tied their confidence with the amount that they've sold that it just can't be successful any longer. And so when you do see that, then it's time to move on. So what you just said right there, I think, is the most important thing of, of being able to identify a rep that just can't be rehabbed, they have to move along, is when that confidence is replaced with desperation, man, that's a point of no return, right? And I would say this from the perspective that I think that we all, all the listeners here can relate to, whether you're a sales professional, you're a sales leader or manager, a CEO of the company, or you're just a consumer of some sort of products or whatever, We've all had those kind of pitches, or we've seen those pitches, that it's more of a plea. It's not this confident, like, I know that you should do this and going forward. It's like, please, please, like, save me, help me. That is really kind of sad to watch because you can kind of tell, like, hey, this is the Hindenburg going down here. This person is crashing. And there's something inside of people as a consumer that whenever you see that, like, it's something in our psyche, we can detect it. We can sense it right and it doesn't come across in that sector of our brain that says hey this is good for me i should check this out it triggers something that says "Ooh, this isn't really legit this isn't honest this isn't real and it is a threat and i should run away from it that sense of desperation it just absolutely hits that side of the brain right and so with that being said mike i really really appreciate your time here Thank you so very, very much and going through all this stuff with me. And guys that are listening, thank you so much for joining us on the Access Points podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, hey, we look forward to continuing to give you guys some great content just like this. Take care, everybody. And again, we're always looking for feedback on this podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Give us some critical feedback how we can make this thing better. Go to our website at accessefm.com. Check us out there. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a tweet. Give us a thumbs up. And appreciate you guys listening.